good being in God's presence. I feel at home in God's presence. I feel like I was destined to be here. I feel like this is the place, amen, that I am supposed to be. The house of God. What a glorious place it is. Hallelujah. There's no place like the house of God. And there's no presence like the presence of the Lord. And we are here together in the presence of God. Would you look at someone and ask them this question? Was it, was it hard for you to praise the Lord just a few moments ago? Was it hard? Hopefully, I don't think it was. Now, it may be a little bit more different, difficult when you're all by myself, all by yourself. It may be a little bit more difficult. In fact, discouragement can get the best of you when you're all by yourself. Are you hearing me? Discouragement can get the victory over you when you're by yourself. But when you come to church and the musicians are playing, the singers are singing, voices are raised, we're all encouraged to praise the Lord. So I've concluded that unity encourages us. When we move together in the same direction, praising, blessing, serving, walking with the Lord. I want to conclude, or let me just say, um, continue where we left off last week. We were dealing with the ministry of encouragement, the power, the purpose, and the effects of encouragement. Were you here last Wednesday? Let me just see your hands if you were here and you remember actually being here last Wednesday. All right, all right. You can be seated. We're going to continue and we're going to try to be a little bit more engaging here tonight and hopefully interact with you and get some response and hopefully get you to help us uh, here tonight. If you recall, last week we dealt with Moses being encouraged, being supported, being lifted. Remember that? When the hand of Moses was heavy, they lifted his hand, not because he was so muscular, not because of his great personality, but because he had the rod of God in his hand. And it's what that rod represented. And as long as he held that rod up with his hand, then Israel prevailed over the enemy. And they provided support, encouragement for Moses. And then we also dealt with the fact that Joshua, also the young man, needed the encouragement of his elder. Moses went so far, but the one he encouraged went further than he did. Praise God. So tonight we want to talk about some things 
and discuss some ways that you and I can actually encourage other people and actually become encouragers ourselves. How many wants to be an encourager? Amen. True encouragers create and cultivate a healthy environment that is conducive for growth. That's right. And faith. And that, of course, is what we want to create and cultivate and maintain. A healthy environment no matter where we are. We have the ability to create an atmosphere, a climate, an environment. Even though we, we may come into a hostile environment, we can change that environment. It takes some effort, though. You, you, just, you don't go in and just say, well, because I'm here, everything's going to be different. No, you have to do something. You have to say something. Uh, you may have to pray some prayers. You may have to deal with some spirits. But you have the power to change the climate, the atmosphere, the environment. And we want to do that through encouragement. Someone say encouragement. No one made you praise the Lord. No one forced you to praise the Lord. No one made you feel guilty into praising the Lord. But we simply led you into praising the Lord. We simply encouraged you into praising the Lord. Because God doesn't want you and I to be forced to serve Him, bless Him, walk with Him, love Him, or praise Him. God wants people to love Him, amen, out of their own accord, their own volition, their own decision, voluntarily. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So we've been encouraged to praise the Lord here tonight. Last week, and we just mentioned, we dealt with a few characters in the scripture, Moses and Joshua. We dealt with Gideon, how that Gideon was a discouraged man. Uh, he was in a state of despair, despondency, but the Lord came down himself and spent some time with Gideon. And at the end of the day, Gideon was encouraged and answered the call of God and fulfilled God's will and God's plan. And, of course, there was a great deliverance because one man was encouraged. Praise God. One encouraged man can make a difference in a nation, in a church, in a community. Come on, on your job, in a classroom, wherever you work. God wants you to be encouraged in the Lord. Praise God. In fact, as we read through the scripture, we can find out that it's not only the people who go to church who are serving the Lord that needs to be encouraged, but it's all people. God wants every living soul to be encouraged to look to Him. To know that He is Lord and that He is God, Creator and Savior. And what He has done for us, He will do for anyone. Doesn't matter. God wants everyone to be encouraged. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is speaking and he says, Now I exhort you to be of good cheer. He wasn't talking to the church. He was not talking to the choir. He wasn't talking to his best friend. He was talking to strangers that did not know him and he didn't know them. And he says, I'm encouraging you to be of good cheer. And he says, There shall be no loss of any man's life but for the ship. 
For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am. I belong to him. I serve him. He was testifying who he belonged to. And he says, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Praise God. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. He's talking to people that didn't know God. And he's saying, Cheer up. I've heard from God. God's spoken to me. And we're going to make it. Don't tell me you can't encourage people that don't know God. Yes, you can. You get a word from God, you can encourage anybody. Hallelujah. And that is, of course, what happened. Exhort means simply to strongly encourage, admonish, urge to do or to believe. And he wanted them to believe that he had heard from God and that his God told the truth. Praise the Lord. And I, I want you to always remember this. Always remember this. No matter how bad it looks or no, no, no matter how bad they may seem, God wants them to be reconciled unto himself. It doesn't matter what they look like, where they've been, or what they have done, or what mess they're in, or how deep in the mire they are. God wants all souls reconciled to him. And you and I can be the encouragers of such people. Praise God. Praise God. So we dealt with those things last week, but let me go a little further. Uh, we did talk about some things that, uh, that discourage things that we need to restrain, resist, and refuse to yield to. So let me, I know it may seem a little uh, negative, but I believe that if we're going to be encouragers, not only do we have to know what to do, how to do it, but we also have to, knew, to know what to refuse, what to resist, what to deny, things that we should not do because if we do or say those things, they will actually discourage people, discourage or disrupt unity. Are you hearing me? So we want to make sure that we know what not to do, things that we should not touch, ways that we should not respond or react. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, you can look there with me if you'd like. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29, and I don't have a lot of time, so we have to move very quickly. Let no corrupt... Let no corrupt, which simply means worthless, damaging, defaming, foul, abusive, or degrading communication, proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Notice he starts out by telling us what we should not do. And then he says this is what we should do. He said, don't let these things come out of your mouth. But he says, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that, which may, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, we know that there are certain things that come to mind, certain things that we know, certain things that we think and we feel based on perception, perhaps. Right? You hearing me? But he says, don't let, if it's corrupt, don't let it come out of your mouth. 
It may be in your mind, but don't let it come out of your mouth. Because if it comes out of your mouth, it's going to affect the environment. It's going to affect the people. It's going to affect the reputation, the credibility. It's going to hinder things. It's going to scatter and not gather. It's going to perhaps sow uh, 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 discord instead of accord. Do you understand? So it says, don't let it come out of your mouth. And I, I made a note here, just because you feel something or think something or see something or know something doesn't mean that you have a right to say it. The scripture is always against tailbearing. The scripture is always against gossip. It's always against backbiting and degrading someone, being disrespectful of another person, slandering, defaming someone's character. These things do not edify. They do not encourage. They do not gather. They do not unify. They do the opposite. And they bring discouragement. And we should avoid these things according to the teachings of the Word of God. We read and quoted last week, death and life are in the power of the what? What we say. It's not just what we say right now. But we could actually say here a little, there a little. And then later on we say a little bit more. And then it may be months. It may be years. But we finally built the case. And we've finally destroyed or discouraged. So sad. So we as the people of God must learn to discipline ourselves, restrain ourselves from projecting negativity, being condescending, pessimistic. Now I know that comes natural to some of us because of our upbringing, our environment, abuse, how we were handled. Sometimes it seems to be very natural for people to be negative and pessimistic and condescending and derogative and, and uh, critical and complaining. Have you ever been around anybody that just constantly complains? Anybody? There's three, four, five, six people. You've been around complainers. Does it affect you? Does it discourage you from continuing in relationship with them? If it doesn't discourage you, you end up joining them and complaining with them. <laughs> oh, that happens. Lord, have mercy. How many has ever been in the presence of a hypochondriac? Anybody? Do we have any hypochondriacs here? Always sick. Always got a problem. Always an issue. Always bring out what's wrong what might be wrong, what you fear is wrong, and you see wrong and all kinds of problems in everybody else's life, and if they hang around you too long, they're going to be in the bed simply because of what you said. All right. It can be very discouraging. Being around such an attitude, such a perception, um, I think that you want to be in a positive environment where there's encouragement and faith and proper focus. We want to be healthy and happy people, and we want to produce the same or reproduce the same, don't we? Yes, sir. 
So we've got to avoid certain things. And, and sometimes we do have to confront certain attitudes, not harshly, not aggressively or in anger, but assertively. I need, I, I, I'm not sure about you, but all through my life I have needed help in this area, learning how to be assertive without being aggressive. There's a tendency in all of us to be aggressive. But God is wise and God is assertive. He can just speak the truth and still love you and still smile and still encourage you and say, come here. I, I, I know you didn't want to hear that. But I said it because you would never recognize that there's a problem if I did not say that and address that particular issue. You see, being encouraged doesn't mean that you're going to be happy about it. When they encouraged me to lose weight, I, I wasn't happy. When they encouraged me to do a few more sit-ups, that didn't make me happy. Sometimes when they're trying to encourage me, it kind of makes me a little upset. But aren't we glad it paid off? Aren't we glad we got over that feeling and we focused on what we needed to do to become healthier people? I want to live, don't you? <laughs> so we've got to learn to avoid the things that discourage. We've got to learn to avoid certain things, doing certain things, projecting certain attitudes, and speaking certain things. What I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to just kind of walk with me here a little bit. Now, when I'm talking about discouragement, I'm talking about the things that discourage you uh, as an individual, as a man or woman of God. They discourage unity. Um, they discourage progress, faith, and focus, joy, peace. Here are some of those things. Unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness, disloyalty, unreliability. These are things that can discourage. For example, if you're the leader, if you're the team leader, you're the supervisor, and you got key people that work for you or just people in general, but they show up on Monday, but Tuesday they're gone. They're here Wednesday, but they're late. They may or may not show up on Thursday. Especially, or, or Friday if you pay them on Thursday. <laughs> no wonder we wait to the end of the week to issue paychecks in some companies. <laughs> some people get that paycheck and they're gone. Hmm? So we as an individual, I'm talking to adults here, we've got to make sure that whatever we do, we're being faithful, we're being consistent, we're being reliable. We, if we're going to uh, be encouragers, then we've got to be men and women of our word. I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. Shift starts at 7 o'clock, I'm going to be there early. Because the fact of the matter is, people will not listen to what you say if they see negative things that you do. 
Now, in a leadership capacity, I had people come to me and said, they said some negative things about other churchgoers and Christians, and they actually disrespected them and were discouraged from hearing their testimony because of their unfaithfulness and their inconsistency. And they felt that they were disrespectful. So we want to avoid that, don't we? We want to avoid that. I, I could go down the list. I don't have a lot of time. But I do think it's very important for us to understand what we are doing either encourages someone or discourages someone. If we want to encourage someone in the Lord and we want to share our testimony with them, we need to make sure that our life is consistent with our testimony. Does that make sense? All right. So, so that means, Brother Sepp, you can't hit that guy in the face. That's right, Brother Sepp. Yeah, I had the confrontation. I had those moments where they got in my face and in my mind, in my mind, I'm saying, he don't even know that I'm about to break out with some MMA. He don't even know. He don't even know what I went through. He, do, he doesn't know how many people I have actually knocked out and, and broken. He doesn't have a clue. And I'm saying these things because they picked on me when I was a boy. I would get in fights in the classroom. I, get, I got in fights after school. I mean, I would bloody up the big guys. And I was scared the whole time. Oh, yeah. I used to watch Clint Eastwood. Any which way but loose. You know, that was my inspiration before church. <laughs> that was my source of encouragement. And they encouraged bad behavior. But aren't we glad? For the salvation of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I had to learn to exercise restraint. You can't just do what you want to do. You can't say what you want to say. You want to say some things. Especially after you've been at Walmart for 15 minutes in the speedy checkout lane. And there's only two people ahead of you. And she's got coupons. All the other lanes are closed except for the, you know, the, the little electronic robot things. You could really discourage some people from going to church with you <laughs> if you say what you feel like saying. So there are some things we want to avoid. Is that right? <laughs> Poor communication. Being intimidating. We, we, when we go into our world, we don't want to go into the, our world and intimidate people. Make people feel inferior than us. We don't want to make people feel, God doesn't do that. Now, God is a superior being, to say the least. But when he come, when he came into this earth, the Bible says he humbled himself. He came as a man. He condescended. He even washed the feet of his own disciples. He created those people. But yet he stooped and he humbled himself and he ministered and he loved them and he taught them how to love one another. He didn't go and just parade his lordship and start telling them the songs to sing. Would you sing this song for me? All hail King Jesus. 
all hail Emmanuel. No, he didn't demand that of the people. Did he? No, 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 no. It was his life that gained their love and respect. Hallelujah. He made a difference. And I want to make a difference too. He did not come to intimidate people. He came to influence them. He came to love them. He came to reconcile us unto himself. Oh, praise God. He did not belittle us. He did not neglect us. These are things that discourage. He did not come to offend us or disrespect us. He did not withhold love and forgiveness. But he came to love and he came to forgive. My God. And if these things, the disrespect, the offensiveness, the belittling, the intimidating, withholding forgiveness, if these things exist and continue in our lives, these attitudes, these actions, they're, they're simply uh, signs that we need help. If we're having a hard time loving people, reaching for people, that's a sign that we need help. If, if we have a hard time in encouraging people, then that's a sign that we need help. We need help. We need healing. We need something from the Lord if we're going to become encouraging people. Praise God. Amen. These attitudes and actions are part of my daily life and existence and so forth, and I need help. I need spiritual healing, mental healing, uh, emotional healing. There's something in my life that is causing me to remain underdeveloped. And God wants to help me and heal me so that I can develop and become more like Him. And the more I become like Him, the more of an encouragement I will be in my world. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? God wants us to become encouragers. Praise God. And I've concluded, I've wrote this myself, that healthier, happier, more whole, sound, balanced people... The more healthy, happier, and whole we are, the more we will be able to actually help others. Praise God. And I also made a note that miserable, pe miserable people make others that way. <laughs> we can only project and present what we possess. And, of course, we can't give what we don't have. We've got to get something from God. So that we'll have something to give to others. Jesus wants us to receive from him so that we'll have something from him to share with other people. You know, sharing is a form of encouragement. That's right. If I got something from the Lord, the presence of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the anointing, knowledge of God, I've got something to share and I want you here tonight to understand that you've got something from God. You've got His Spirit. You've got His anointing. You've got His name. You've got His power. Amen. His gifts are in you. You've got something to share with the world. You've got something that the world cannot produce. They can't get anywhere else. You've got it. You've got the cure for cancer. Yes, you do. You've got the cure for leukemia. You've got it. You've got it. It's in the name of Jesus. 
You've got what the lame man needs. You have what the blind man needs. You have what the halt and the crippled and the leper needs. You've got Jesus. Oh, if we could just learn who we have and what is in him and realize that it's big enough, it's sufficient enough to share with other people. Such as I have, give. That's what encouraging people do. They give. That's why I'm encouraged when I'm with pastor because he gives. He's always giving. I'm not hanging around him just so that I can get something. Don't get me wrong. I'm here because God called me and God sent me here. It doesn't matter what I get. Knowing that you're in the will of God makes all the difference in the world. But what I'm simply saying is I love to be around people who just give. They give kindness. They give monetarily. They give respect. They give time. They give attention. They give affection. They give affirmation. Come on. They always give. That's a powerful form of encouragement. Give me the word. Praise God. It's going to save me. My Lord, how many wants to be an encourager every day? Praise God. If you're discouraged, stay home and pray through until you're encouraged like David in the Lord. Then go to Walmart. Then go to Publix and get buy one, get one free. And high five the cashier and tell him, Jesus loves you. And look at him and just... Come on, just let that word just work on them a little bit. Praise God. Because the reality is a poor witness will discourage people from hearing you. If we're a poor witness, they're not going to want to hear what we have to say. Romans chapter 15. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his what? For his good edification. Someone say edification. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. Verse 5, now the God of patience and consolation. Interesting. Interesting. He says, now the God of patience and consolation. One of the definitions for the word consolation is encouragement. Now, we, we understand if we know the definition, let's just say in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, consolation is uh, the, the form of comfort and encouragement that we give to someone who has been disappointed. Something has happened to make them sad or to discourage them. And we come to bring consolation, a form of comfort and encouragement. And the Bible is saying that the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another in Christ Jesus. Amazing. The God of patience and Consolation. Say God's an encourager. Who encouraged Moses? Before they lifted his, you know, gave him a seat and lifted his. Who, who encouraged Moses? It was the Lord himself. When Moses, is, when Moses died, who encouraged Joshua? Moses wasn't there to encourage Joshua anymore. He did for a time. But who encouraged Joshua when Moses was gone? It wasn't the people. It was God. God himself came and says, says Joshua, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Not because I was with Moses, but as in the same manifestation, 
my power, my presence, my miracles, my revelation. The way I was with Moses is the way that I'm going to be with you. What an encouraging word from God. Because God wants you and I to be encouraged. And as long as we're encouraged, we'll stay focused. We'll keep on fighting. Amen. We'll make progress in the purpose and will of God. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Amen. So we all need to learn how to encourage other people. To lift up our brother. To come to the aid of our brother and sister in the Lord or simply our brother and sister in Adam. We're related somehow. You know, we're all related somehow. We're, we're, we're all related in Adam through the natural birth. And we're all related in Christ through the second birth. So whether in Adam or in Christ, they're all family. And they all need to be encouraged in the Lord. Hello? Praise God. Yes. Yes. We need to encourage everybody. Encourage them to put that cigarette out. <laughs> okay, I, I guess I need to stop. Would you just, don't blow that smoke in my face, okay? I'm allergic to cannabis, all right? <laughs> that happens. I've been on the job where they just blew smoke and other vapors. That's not the point. <laughs> Some of you just got that, okay? <laughs> it does happen. We live in that kind of world, right? But he says, if there be any, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels of mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being, being a one accord and of one mind. Someone say consolation and comfort. Praise God. I'm going to go over in just a, in a little, just a little bit, some, uh, just kind of break it down. So you can realize that maybe some of the things that you're already doing is actually encouraging people. Okay? And, you know, maybe we can kind of add to that. Not so that we can just be busy, so that, but so that we can be more intentional. And understand that what we're doing is important. What we need to do, it's important. It does make a difference. Let me just go through a list, and I may not have time to break these things down and give example, but some practical ways that we can encourage others um, on every level, encourage our leaders, our elders, is through loyalty. Someone say loyalty. You know, you encourage your leader, your supervisor, your manager, your boss, you encourage them through loyalty. Does that make sense, Pastor? Through loyalty. You don't have to be the smartest, the best, the brightest, and the strongest, but just be loyal. Be dependable. Can we count on you? When you're loyal, you actually encourage people. In fact, your loyalty not only encourages your employer, but it also encourages other associates, other employ employees, associates in that area where you work. Because, man, this guy's here just every day, in and out, just loyal. And, and he's got a good attitude. And it doesn't matter what he makes. He's content with his wages. You don't hear him complaining. He's just giving thanks to the Lord. I got a job. You know, praise God. Consistency, commitment, support, affirmation. Here, here's a way that we can encourage others. By taking time to hear them. 
I wish I was kind of in a classroom and everybody's just sitting around so I can just kind of look in your eyeballs. And I, I want to engage. I want to interact with you. I want you, I want you to hear me. This is so important. So important. You want God to hear you. Right? You want God to hear you and to be sensitive to you and your needs and to hear your prayer. That's right. And we're, we're trying to be godly. Right? And if we're, if we're going to become godly people and encouraging people, then we need to take time for people. You say, well, I'm too busy. Well, why do you think you're in the earth? <laughs> you think you're in the earth just to work a job and make a living? No, you, you're in the earth for relationships. God uses relationships to reconcile. Did you know that? So we've got to take time and give people our undivided attention. Now, we can't give them all of our attention because we have responsibilities. But we give them our time. We give them our attention. And, and we just seek to, to listen to them, to be sensitive to their hurt, their pain, their grief, their sorrow. And even sympathize with them. That's a way that you can encourage. Sometimes it's not just what you say. Sometimes it's just being there. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But the ministry of presence is so powerful. The ministry of presence is so powerful. Perhaps there's a friend, a relative, they're in the hospital. They're in the hospital. Maybe they're in a coma. Maybe something has happened to them where they can't communicate back with you. They can't respond to you. Okay? So do you stay home? Do you stay home simply because they can't communicate? Or do you go visit them anyway? What do you do? What does love do? You go anyway because love meets needs. It's not about what you get. It's not about it, them reciprocating with you. It's not about what your rights are. It's about your responsibility to the call of God, to love your neighbor as yourself. You show up, you love on them, you pray for them, you bless them. Come on. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what they do, what they say. They don't have to say thank you. They don't have to acknowledge me. The ministry of presence is very powerful. Amen. Come on. You bring the anointing into that room. And you're encouraging them. Praise God. You're bringing encouragement into that atmosphere. You make a difference. Someone dies in the family. Someone dies in the family. We've all had... Uh, you know, we've all suffered loss. We've had family members, friends, relatives, acquaintances pass. I've heard stories and situations where certain loved ones didn't even show up to the funeral because they said, well, I, did, I don't know how to handle that. I was afraid. I didn't know what to say. So, that tells me that they let fear determine their decision. And how often do we let fear dictate us and determine what we will or will not do? Anybody beside me? Well, I'm afraid that if I go, they won't be healed. Why are we yielding to fear? Fear has discouraged you. And if you don't conquer fear, you'll never encourage anybody else. 
So faith says we're going to go anyhow. We're going to trust God anyhow. We're going to speak the word anyhow. We're going to, somebody say, well, why do you pray so much? And I say, why do you breathe so much? Why do you eat so much? Huh? Why do you talk so much? Huh? Why do you go shopping so much? Why do you do all these things so much? Why do you pray so much? Pray, pray, pray. Pray every day because it's a part of life. It's a part of my relationship with God. Tell somebody, don't give up. Be encouraged. God hears your prayer. Hallelujah. So the ministry of prayer. I know we're getting off on some things. And I got I to quit, man. I'm, we're going to have part three sometime before the rapture. <laughs> the ministry of presence. Here it is. Here's the ministry of presence. You ready? The disciples are assembled in a room. They're assembled in a room. And the Bible says they were afraid of the Jews. So they had their little spiritual huddle, but they were all intimidated and they were all afraid. That's right. And Jesus knew that. He knew where they were. He knew their condition. And what did he do? Did he send a word from heaven? No, he came himself. The ministry of presence. And when Jesus showed up in that little room where they were all afraid and intimidated and they were discouraged and they thought that their, their dreams were gone, that, that the call of God is just removed and, and now they have to go on just being like they were, what happened? Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, he said, peace be unto you. Huh? Praise God. And the very next verse tells us, and they were all encouraged. They were all comforted. Hallelujah, the ministry of presence. I'm telling you, it's not just what you say. It's the fact that you showed up. I showed up at the wedding. I showed up at the funeral. I showed up at the hospital. Hallelujah. I, I didn't know that was, that was what just preachers do. I thought everybody was supposed to love people and show up at the hospital and pray. I thought that's what we were all. Now, there's some people you want to you keep them away from the hospital because they haven't, they kind of go crazy. <laughs> yeah, they discourage the staff <laughs> because they disrupt things. My Lord, the ministry of presence. Let me, let me find a place to close. Can I have a, some help on the keyboard here? Thank you, Brother Nagy, but I think we're going to have... Uh, the newlywed over here. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I have so many examples. When Jesus showed up, he drove out fear. You ever been in a situation where you just, man, you're anxious, you're stressed out, you're afraid, you don't know what to do, you're afraid of the worst, and then all of a sudden a man or woman of God shows up and say, hey, sis, how you doing? Let's pray. Doesn't that comfort you? Doesn't that encourage you? I'm trying to get into your spirit, your heart, your mind. That God wants every single one of us to become encouragers. There's people that's hurting on your job. They may be hurting the way that you're hurting. But you have the solution. You have something that will keep you. They don't. So use what you have that's keeping you to help them, 
to encourage them. Let's stand together. Woe to him that is alone when he falls. But if he has someone in his corner, no wonder God set up Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas means the son of consolation. Now, Paul strikes me as a kind of a depressed character, you know. He's, uh, I don't think he's, you know, Mr. Enthusiastic jumping off the platform, you know. Um, I, I just don't see Paul that way. I see Paul very humble, uh, very base, very meek, but very, very disciplined. But I see Barnabas as Mr. Enthusiasm, Mr. Excitement. Mr. Encourager. His name means the son of consolation. The Lord knew what the apostle needed. He needed someone in his corner to encourage him. Someone to pray for him. And you look all through the book of Acts and through the New Testament writings, you'll see Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. It wasn't a coincidence. God set that up. God knows what you need and who you need. And God will connect you with people. God will put people in your life to encourage you. And so that you will also encourage them. Pastor encourages me. But I also encourage him. Is that right, bro? Huh? He, he encourages me. Now, sometimes he has to rebuke me. You know, get on my case. He loves me. But what's he doing? He's encouraging me to do right. I remember, oh, I'm telling on him. I remember pastor, and I'm saying this for edification, okay? I remember pastor, you know, I, I came with my little knowledge, you know, and I would kind of be hit or miss, and well, we'll try this, and we'll do, and pastor said, what? No, 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 no. If you're going to do something, you're going to do it, and you're going to stick with it. And you're going to be consistent. If your meetings are on Monday, you're going to have meetings every Monday. Not every other Monday or a Monday if everybody's... No, you're going to have meetings every Monday. And I said, okay, I'll do that. Thank you so much. He was kind of, you know, dealing with me. Dealing with something that I didn't really understand. But he understood it. And he encouraged me. And because he encouraged me, it wasn't comfortable. But I did it, and I saw the results. <laughs> and we had tons of people. After we stayed consistent, we started on time. We were there. He encouraged me. And I'm not here to brag, but I'm just here to testify that God's put people in my life to encourage me during difficult times, during difficult seasons. And sometimes the reality is we feel so alone, like no one knows and no one cares. But I want to remind you that God knows and God cares. And God's given you a church family. And if you want to be encouraged, you can't stay home. you got to come to the house of God anyhow. Because God's got a word of encouragement for you. If you're hungry, don't stay in bed. Come to the table. God's got a meal prepared for you. My God.
Isaiah, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die? Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforteth us by the coming of Titus, the ministry of presence. I've got about 18 more things to discuss concerning how we can actually encourage but we're out of time we're out of time can we just close our eyes for a moment oh God thank you for brother Jesse Wilson Lord thank you for this man of God I've watched him grow up from a young teenage lad to an adult man who's responsible married a virtuous woman thank you for him. I thank you, Lord, that you're using him to encourage other people to excel, to be their best. I thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that's in the house of God. Help me, Lord. Help me to grow, to develop, to mature, to put off things that discourage and receive and share those things which encourage faith, encourage focus and unity and love, the work and the will of God. Can we lift our hands and just talk to the Lord together here? Come on, God wants us to love each other. Hallelujah. You can encourage your brother by forgiving them. You can encourage your brother by just forgiving them. Hallelujah. Release the debt. Come on, you're encouraging. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you comfort, when you just show up. You don't have to have, have all the words just being there. Every time you show up at Curry Park, you encourage that homeless man. Every time you feed the poor, you're encouraging them that life is worth living, that God does care. He sees the sparrow when he falls, and surely he sees us, and he knows us, and he's willing to help us. Hallelujah. Teach me how to encourage the people in my world. Teach me, Lord, what to do, what to say, what to pray. I can send a note. I can send a text. I can check on them. I can make a cake. I can send a few dollars through MoneyGram. I can call them. Hallelujah. I can pray with them at the altar, not because I have authority to do, to do so, but because I'm driven by love to do so. Help me, Lord, tonight. Lord, to receive your wisdom and your grace that I might be a more effective encourager in my world. Teach me the ways to do this, Lord. Teach me the ways to do this. Hallelujah. I'm not just here to make people feel good. I'm here to direct them to the cross, to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ, to encourage them in the Lord. Hallelujah. So that they do not have to stay isolated and separated from the faithful, but so that they can be brought into the fold in Jesus' name. Let's love him. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. What a powerful word. I tell you what I really love about that part about encouragement of presence. 
is you don't have to have talent to do that. Everybody can do that. Anyone can do that. How many times have you showed up somewhere and before you left, the person just said to you, and you knew it was from their heart, I'm so glad you came. Thank you for coming. I remember when my mom died. Church was there, great crowd. There was a person in that crowd. I couldn't, I, it just sort of blew my mind. My buddy, Scott Graham from St. Louis, Missouri. I said, Scott, what are you doing here? He said, man, you're my friend. I just come to be with you. I will never, I will take that to my grave. You never know how you'll impact someone if you'll just show up. If you hear they're going through something, don't get with somebody and talk about it. Why don't you show up in their life? Say, hey, I just come to pray with you. I come to encourage you. I come to let you know I'm here for you. I love you. I'm here for you. That'll make such a difference. When they feel like everybody's talking against them, why don't you be the one that shows up and just says, I just want you to know we love you, here for you. Wow, what a message, Brother Sapp. What a message tonight. Amen. I think he, he kind of hinted to another one of these encouragements, and that's forgiveness. Forgiveness. I want to I wanna hear part three of this and so here in the next sometimes in the next few weeks because he's so slow if he's got 18 more points there's probably going to be 43 ports to this what a word so here's what we're going to do we're going to find two or three people and we're going to encourage them I don't know just tell brother uh, Patrick Cowell say man your head's shining extra tonight <laughs> I love that guy. Find somebody, encourage them in some way. I love you. God bless you. Sheila, thank you for coming. We're so honored. Bless you. Brother Jackson, your family, bless you. Let's encourage one another.